Yeah. So in this class, we have been talking about three things. We, and it's all out of Romans 8. And it's, as men as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. The mindset on the flesh is death. If by the Spirit you're put into death, the deeds of the body you'll live. So, so Romans 8 is this, okay, how do I take this idea of the Holy Spirit and make it really practical in everyday life and lifestyle? There's, there's, there's a real being called the Holy Spirit who really lives inside of me, who's not pushy, who's easily quenched, doesn't barge in. It's not like your worst in-laws. You know, the Holy Spirit is just like, I'm here and I'm going to teach you how to connect with me, but I'm not human, and my first language isn't English. I'm going to teach you how to live a different kind of a life in this earth, and I'm going to do that by drawing you, showing you, influencing you, and you and I are going to come into this amazing partnership. The partnership will always have uncertainty in it. It will always have, you read the, you read the book of Acts, and they always say, I think that's the Holy Spirit. I'm pretty sure the Spirit said. Paul is writing Corinthians and he goes, I think I have the Spirit on this. Okay, and so there, there's always this place where we go, this feels like God, I'm going to step out. And as long as there's not arrogance, there's not, you know, put down, there's just this humility of saying, God, I think this is you. I'm going to take a chance of obeying. If God showed up, and struck you from your horse, and appeared in a vision like you did with Paul, you kind of don't have a choice, right? And he maybe did that because Paul needed that, uh, probably needed it. But if he did that with us, our free will would disappear. Because if God suddenly showed up to you, no matter what you really wanted with your heart, you've suddenly seen the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and you're kind of out of options. And he doesn't do that with us. He always says, I'll come as you want me to. I'll come as you desire me. I'll come in a way that won't shock you, scare you, but over time will, will, will transform you. I will always stay one step ahead to draw you deeper in and higher up, as, as uh, C.S. Lewis said. I'll always stay just one step ahead, and as you pursue me, you look back and you go, wow, I've changed radically over this life. Okay. So that's what, that's what this class is about. So um, some of you talked about uh, we're going pretty quick in this part of the class, and I have a solution for you, which I'll give you at cost. <laughs> um, because we are going quick in this class. We're covering three, three semesters worth of stuff, and we're just touching on things. Okay, so 10 bucks. Um, and it's yours. If you don't have $10, it's still yours, okay? So such a deal. Um, so um, this week we're going to continue in the spirit transformation thing. And it's, a, it's something that we learned that has radically changed my life. Um, it, it's radically changed a bunch of people's lives. It's an interesting tool and a revelation about our connection with God. So uh, Matt and Catherine are going to take over, so come on up and take over. Got our alarm set. What time does class end? Quarter till-ish. Okay. Three quarters on. Well, That's on. Three quarters. Three quarters on. It's on. Okay, welcome everybody. Got your Bible? 
It's kind of important, right, <laughs> in Bible class. Um, so we're Matt and Catherine Miller, and we've seen a lot of you in here um, and have been attending, at least I've been attending, a lot of the Spirit Life classes. I think Catherine and I started together, was it two maybe three years ago, some time ago, and just have learned a lot. Um, and I remember <laughs> sitting, I point to her because we were in those early classes together, and I remember sitting there thinking, what in the world are they talking about? And I remember, my, my I'm an analytical thinker. Um, I like things to be scientifically based and founded and explainable and firm, and I love good, solid scientific evidence. And to hear these thoughts about using the imagination allowing your imagination to open to what God, what other things God wants to show you was foreign language to me. And I really had a lot of questions about, are we we're treading on thin ice here? Are we adding? I mean, it's not adding to the Bible. It's not taking from the Bible. So I want everyone to be rest, rest assured, if this is one of your first times in this class, that it, um, uh, the Holy Spirit is an equal part of the Trinity. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we're just trying to understand a, a, a very important uh, element and richness and depth of relationship that God has in store for us that um, we're really missing. I, I was missing out on for a lot of my life. So um, we will start with, we're going to talk this morning a little bit about connecting to God and then some about what we'll call the Father Ladder, which you don't have to have any idea what that means yet. I'll explain it later. Um, so what exactly is connecting to God? We use the terms drawing near um, a lot. And as Andy said, I think I'm trying to squeeze in two lessons into one. But I, I feel like these two are are important and are um, it's easier to understand the father ladder in context of drawing near if you haven't ever done that. So... Um, Connecting to God or drawing near to God is um, about closer proximity to God. It's about learning to position ourselves, our whole self, in prayer um, to speak and to listen. So it's carving out a space where there's that time to speak and listen with God. Um, It's about dependence on God and not self-reliance. It's not about my mind, my will, and my emotions. It's trying to put those at the foot of the cross. Um, And it's about establishing uh, abiding as my home base and rather than striving, striving, striving my home base is to abide with the Lord um, scripture obviously can and does help with this and I would say is the anchor point um, some biblical support Matt's going to read a few verses that um, would support the importance of drawing near to God and the I, I keep wanting to say the extravagant life God has to offer us if we'll just accept it because it is lavish. Yeah, so just a few, just to read a couple of these. Um, in Matthew six, when you go, to, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And don't pray like the pagans do, um, with lots of words. Um, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. But he talks about going to the Father to pray. Um, Romans eight fifteen and sixteen. Um, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave against, again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. Um, and we cry to him, Abba, our Father, or Daddy, as, as Andy likes to say. Um, and the spirit testifies with our spirit that we um, are God's children. And we're adopted into his uh, family. Um, and then Hebrews 4, 16, um, and James, um, after that is 
let us approach the throne of God with confidence um, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So let us just approach the throne. It's like we can go right up to the king. Um, and James 4, come near to God and he will come near to you, which is one of those truths that Catherine said that just, it's easy to say over and over again that um, come near to God and he will come near to you. And then, um, I didn't do the first John 14, 514, I didn't write it down. Um, you can go ahead, hon. Okay. This is a good one, though. Uh-huh. Um, it's 514, 514, if anybody's writing these down, not 14. Um, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have what we have asked of him. So that this is the confidence we have in approaching God that we can go right to him. And just as we've talked about to the, to the throne, we can draw near and, and be right there to ask him. And he already knows what we need. So some steps to drawing near. Um, we're going to practice this in a second. Um, you think about him. You try to, again, place your mind, will, and emotions at the foot of the cross and just think on the Lord. Um, If you find that difficult, you can remind yourself of scriptural truth um, dependent on your needs. But um, if I am in need of healing, I might focus on God as the healer, God as the provider. Um, I often will go to the 23rd Psalms and just read, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters boom and I just rest and I wait for the image he wants to give me um, that's based on his truth Um, so reminding yourself of those truths is important Um, and then you can come back and consider Jesus Um, some people have an easier time drawing near to Jesus than God um, or the Holy Spirit Uh, and then continue to try and draw near and just check in again periodically okay God why am I not seeing this um, sometimes it's hard, it's, it is hard to connect, and some common roadblocks to feeling connected to the Lord include fear, independence, um, arriving versus building capacity. We want to try this new thing and expect it to all be there, um, like I heard so-and-so speak about at their class the other day, and it's not, but it's really more about building capacity, um, not arriving at some huge um, life-altering revelation that looks just like Andes or whatever. Um, we're building a capacity to communicate with God. Um, other roadblocks can be unforgiveness, um, ungodly belief, and unconfessed sin. Again, we always use a scriptural home base, um, using scripture to help, especially if we're stuck. It's a, a good uh, diving board. Uh, we'd like to establish a description of God that feels relevant to the need. Um, and again, beginning with that head knowledge to get to the heart knowledge. For some of us, our head knowledge is a much easier language than our heart knowledge, um, and that's me. My head language even is much easier than my heart language, which is why I told Andy there's no way it would take me 40 minutes to get through this because I don't know enough words to describe it. Um, so we do. We can start with the head knowledge, and God will bring us to that heart knowledge. So um, using Scripture to help, what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, like I said a little bit ago, I'll off, we, we, you can often you can go to those verses, like Matt said. Um, if I go into a prayer session and I'm I'm like okay, trying to draw near to the Lord, or in, by myself in my closet, I close my eyes. I will challenge all of you to go home today and go in your closet or wherever you can go that's a quiet place and just close your eyes and get on your knees and ask God to show up. Just say, God, where are you? Um, and wait, and He'll show up. 
And if you can't find him, if he doesn't show himself to you immediately, there's probably a, a good reason. And, and he can help you chug through that and find himself. But I firmly believe that when we seek him, he's going to show us himself. I feel like people across the world who may have never heard of Jesus. Sorry, I'm getting off topic. Um, when, somebody seek, when somebody's seeking the truth, our God is a loving, kind, gracious God, and he's going to show them the truth. Um, so using the scripture, especially if you get stuck, is there something else you would want to add to that? Well, it's like, what, how, how, think about, how did David write Psalm 23? So here he is on a mountaintop, and he's got his harp, and the sheep are all asleep, and he's already killed a lion that afternoon, or whatever. And, and so now he's wanting to connect with God, and he looks around and he says, I'm the shepherd of the sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. They don't want. I don't want. And, and he, he starts to write this thing, and he closes his eyes, and he begins to imagine what that shepherd to him is like, and Psalm 23 is written, okay? He didn't make up Psalm 23. Psalm 23 came from connecting with God, and God's saying, it's like this, it's like this, it's like this. You get most of the way through it, and all of a sudden you realize, he's not talking about shepherd and sheep anymore. He's talking about connecting with living God. He sets a table for me in the presence of my enemies. That's not a sheep thing. That's a holy cow. And that, that time, allowed him to look at Goliath and go, heck no. Because of his time in the mountains, where he learned that the Lord set a table for him in the presence of his enemies. He's like, okay. Done. <laughs> So we're going to practice now. Um, Matt's going to kind of hmm? Matt's going to kind of lead you all through a drawing near session, a very simple session. So just kind of ready yourselves and quiet your mind. Enjoy the music. Close your eyes. It's always nice to get the prep on the worship. Music. Yeah, we've got some good background. Everybody, um, so just close yeah, your just eyes. Close your eyes, and we'll just do this for a minute or few. Um, when I say picture Father God. I just want you to think of what you see or what you may feel. <coughs> Father God. Scripture says, as we said, that we can call him Abba or Father, or as Andy liked to say, I mentioned like Daddy, or it's an endearing term. Um, if, does anybody want to share something that they may have seen even just in that brief moment? If not, I can keep talking. I'd like to share what my Seen or felt, if you had any picture or a word or... It may take a lot. Nothing. The, the other night, we, since we've been prepping for this class, we went um, camping... Uh, not last night. Good Friday night. And um, 
it was, was cold and wet. Rain, but we were under a shelter and we had a campfire. And as we were like about to break to go to bed, I, I said, well, should, let's ask the kids to do this. So we just had everybody close their eyes and just said, okay, why don't you ask God to draw near to you and just see if he shows you a picture. See if he gives you an image of Can what he is. And this was after our oldest had read the crucifixion story because we were trying to do Good Friday at the campfire. Yeah, so So that was kind of a scriptural preset. The table had been set. Yeah, and so you may you may give more details, but um, we just asked what and Madeline, which she didn't tell us till the next day because we the kids kind of got distracted and listened to each other. But she said, "Oh, it's the same image I always get where I'm in this giant field of wheat, except it's cut into a soccer field, and Jesus and I are playing soccer." She said, I can't see his face, but we're playing together. She's 12. Uh, she's 12, and she loves soccer. Um, and then, what did Corinne say? Because hers is sweet. Well, our 14-year-old, the oldest, yeah. saw him and God walking through the woods behind the old house where we used to live, which is where he right. had his toddler days exploring. Yeah. He goes, you know the ravine where it went down where the water drains off? He goes, we were walking through that. And God had on an olive green camping fishing shirt like Matt always wears. Yeah, had some details of just what what it looked like, and mm-hmm. then, so they were together. And then our the youngest, Nathan, Nathan, saw Jesus on a hill, a green hill, and they were just talking with each other. But Nate was down here, and Jesus at the top. And then Corinne, who is ten, yeah, she always sees she always sees um, two pairs of feet walking in the sand when she tries to draw near to God and asks him for a picture. It's God's feet or Jesus' feet. No, it was God's feet and her feet. And this time, she said, Mama, I saw three pairs of feet this time. It was a big, a medium, and a small. And the big and medium were clean, and my, and my small feet were really, really dirty. And that was God and Jesus and me. I was like, wow. Which is very interesting. And they, but they were walking together on the, the beach. So. It's a sweet picture. Just, yeah, she said, I just remember I'm, I'm never alone. It's always two, at least two, you know, it's always extra pairs of feet. Yeah, her interpretation was that they were with her that time so I'm, so did anybody I didn't give you very long but is that something that's easy for some of you is that is that difficult to do that little visualization when I think of God I think about being in the hospital and you ask them to bring you one of those warm blankets mm. and I, I just think of God as being a warm blanket that's mm. good and, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in an open field, normally in an open field, and um, it's just, it's not the sun, but it is the sun, and like his arms are like out wide, and I always feel like he's like kissing me when the sun mm-hmm. is like on my face, and that's what I just vision, just mm-hmm. it's like sunshine on my face, but it was him with open arms. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? I yeah. kept the, um, for my freedom prayer session, the, at the end, the Lord was in like white robe and then standing with his arms out. Mm-hmm. And that's, I just went right back there. Mm-hmm. And standing right there, just close instead of a far away. Mm-hmm. It's close. So, Anybody else? I was just going to say it's an interesting thing uh, how. <clears throat> Our, memory, our, our memories and our imaginations work because most of these have an element of multiple senses. It's not just our head knowledge, but there's like you feel a breeze or the warmth or a smell, which is kind of surprising for me. But it's like a, every memory has like a, 
there's a smell it's hard to describe. God smells like Aramis to me. It's an interesting thing. Um, I start to recognize that because it's you know, engaging the whole, you know, God's made us to engage through all of those senses. It's mm -hmm. kind of a neat thing as we even hear one another mm -hmm. describe what we've seen experience. And sometimes it's kind of unusual things and don't feel embarrassed or weird if that's the case. A good friend of mine always saw a cage with, and the door finally opened of the cage and she had had some false beliefs that made her feel imprisoned when she, and now she has a very different picture of Father God. Were you going to say something, Franklin? You said it's different. I just, I didn't get as much when you were saying, I don't know, I asked just asked the question, God, how are you my father? And hadn't thought this before, but you had a sense of a wood shop and, and you know, mm -hmm. in a wood shop. Mm -hmm. But like the, you know, I'm going to be your teacher, I'll show you how to do this. Mm. Just, that's something new. Mm. And it, it wasn't like clear bit of details, I think, is something to be sure. Or for me, it's usually just like a sense of this picture. Mm -hmm. I, I think if, if we, that closeness that some of y'all felt, um, there's been times that, like, to me, this was not the picture. Or I, actually, sometimes when I feel close, it's actually, I feel like I'm this giant never-ending black room and it's just surrounded by blackness which actually sometimes is very comforting it used to not be but it, it, I think what we're about to talk about is just if you there's times when you feel like there's a distance or like I can see God being way far away or there's not a connection like maybe there's reasons why we can you can kind of delve into and so that's kind of what we want to talk about too yeah so um Catherine, yeah. yeah also if this is new to you if you went through this exercise and nothing happened don't feel bad. True. Yeah. Thank you. That's um, that's very common. It's partly because I didn't give you any time, but no, no, no. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I no, remember it's when Andy led us through yeah. that time. I had some of my friends say, "I came up with nothing." Mm -hmm. right? And and these were spiritual people. Yeah. You know they, they, and so <coughs> it's it's uh it's something that you have to um, get used to and be a part of. And so I just did. Uh, but yeah, job yeah, it's a it's this. a practice. Um, and at the end, if there's time, we're saving two exercises for if there's time. But if you find yourself in that spot, or even for me, um, I always had it was easy for me to draw near to God. In mine, he he was this enormous, bright, shining, warm light on a throne. And um, by the end of a prayer session, I was up in his lap, you know, hugging him, and his face was shining on me. Um, but I couldn't ever draw near to Jesus. And so I actually asked for, there's something, if for anybody who's new in here, there's, we basically, it's like having prayer partners, but at our church, we offer something called Freedom Prayer, and you can sign up for a session, and Jeannie will anonymously put you with at least two other people, but it's based on the scripture where two or more are gathered in his name, there I am. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. And so, based, and I'll, again, I can show you what that looks like, but you, I, I sign up as a recipient because I can't, I'm having trouble drawing near, and I'm not, gaining ground trying to, to figure out why that is and I want help and so someone will silently pray for me this whole hour hour and a half period and someone else leads me through prayer and we basically just do a lot of listening and wait for God to show up and he does every time and it's crazy but it's true um, so anyway that's if, if you're in that spot where you're just not seeing anything and you want to delve into it further 
um, sometimes it's helpful to, to, to have somebody pray with you about it. Um, yeah. It's kind of a new, th- it's not a new thing, it's as old as the church. I mean, mm-hmm. Paul in Ephesians 1 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, which is your imagination, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened, that you might know, and then he goes on and says that you might know everything about God. I mean, it's just like, it's like this crazy longest sentence in the Bible. And Paul says the door to that isn't just scriptural study or sermons. The door is is that the eyes of your heart are opened so you connect with God. And he, through pictures and symbols and thoughts and words, begins to lead you on a journey of growth and intimacy. Mm-hmm. That, that, is, that is a clear way of, of coming into that. And it, it offends our mind, and it reveals our heart. And it's a good thing. I mean, it's a really good thing. I'm a geeky Ivy League engineer, and this really offended me when I first heard it 40 years ago. And then it's like, now it's the strength of my life. I mean, it just mm-hmm. is. So. so one thing we found that's a common thread, if you, if, if you are finding trouble drawing near to God, um, lies in this thing we call Father Ladder. And basically, our perception of our realities with our own family of origin or family figures of origin can really impact our perception of God and God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so sometimes diving into this a little bit, um, in a culture of honor, um, it's not dishonoring of your family of origin, but it's trying to understand what your perception of that fam- of these figures in your life was as a kid and how that may have influenced your beliefs about God and the Trinity. Um, so Matt was going to start by just sharing... Uh, oh, sorry. So why is it important to discover wounds and beliefs? It's not just to dig things up and place the blame on everybody for all my problems, right? Because that doesn't help anybody. But it, again, is to understand and then to help let God peel off the shells of false beliefs or things that are not true, as Matt said, not false beliefs. Um, So the traditional purpose of this father ladder was to help discover these wounds and beliefs. Why is it important? Because we believe God has an ultimate plan for family. Um, Family is symbolic of the Godhead. Um, And again, I emphasize I can't emphasize, can't emphasize enough that it's a culture of honor as you're digging through these things with others in prayer sessions. It is in a culture of honor, and there's love and gratitude for, for the people involved. Um, these things can produce a disruption or a counterfeit that produce a lot of pain, um, that leave a lot of voids and empty places. We all have big holes in our hearts from different pieces of our upbringing and, and beliefs of things, whether they were true or not to the outsider. I mean, it, again, it allows for false beliefs to set in, and, and Satan loves to use those false beliefs to entrap us and to keep us from being the full potential God has for us. So, Matt, if you want to start. Okay. Yeah. So here's a, I'll just show you. This is what we call the Father Ladder. Um, so you see the three parts of the Trinity, Father God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit may be likened to, look on the far right now, the father figure in your life. Um, Siblings or very close friends may be likened to Jesus. And then the mother figure may be likened to the Holy Spirit. The roles of each of these are here. So the father figure is supposed to give you identity. Who am I? I am his blood. Um, It's to give you protection and to give you provision. So often if any of these is lacking, 
in your upbringing that's going to be reflected in how you feel about God. Similarly, with close siblings or close friends, companionship and communication are the roles in those relationships, and often that's not been there, and that might impact how you perceive Jesus. And similarly, the mother is the comforter, the nurturer, and the instructor or guide. And if that's been compromised or not completed or your perception of it wasn't completed, that might impact how you receive the Holy Spirit. So Matt was going to talk. Well, do you want me to do the examples of Father Lies? Why don't you talk about yours? So just as as an example, as a young man I had, or young boy, I had my parents were really, I had good parents that loved me and cared for me and did lots of stuff. My dad, now he's nearing retirement, still works as much as he did when I was young and probably more and just has, I don't know why, but he has always worked and worked. And so when I was going through probably late elementary, junior high, and then into high school, he started traveling more and more and did franchises for Chili's and ended up putting them all over the world. And so I have all these Hard Rock Cafe t-shirts from all over the world. But there was a lot of ball games and other stuff that I missed. And so part of that developmental um, reconciliation with Father, God, Jesus, Spirit, and some of those things, I think that I've always had a difficult time praying and asking for help. I'm, if you ask me right now, hey, will you pray at the end of church? That is not a problem at all for me. That would not be a big deal but because I'm not asking for myself. And so for me, and we were talking about this last night, and even some of that was a new revelation, just kind of talking this out loud, that I almost never ask for self when I pray. And I think some of that is personality that I don't, I don't want to put someone out, and so I don't want to put God off. He's got other things to do, but I think also... My dad had this self-help, i got to work hard and, and make sure I'm successful and provide for everybody. And so I, it's almost like I've had to prove that to myself, that I don't need my dad's provision. And so in a sense, I don't ever ask God to help me. I'll ask God to help you if you're in surgery or you if you're having a hard time. But I don't do that for self. And some of that I think is, is this is helpful. Just even last night when we were talking through this, it's kind of like, oh, wow. That's actually true, and that applies to me. Okay, I need to. I and need I to said, think you that. don't say. <laughs> Self revelation, the Lord revealing it is way better than your spouse telling you. Amen. Amen. Okay, so, anyhow, that, I think Just that's wait. the idea behind some of this um, is that you're going like, oh, I never realized this, and maybe that's why there's a distance. Mm-hmm. And I'll go ahead and give an example that I've had, and then we can go through some common examples. Mine's less common. Um, I had plenty of father issues, but for whatever reason, I was blessed with enormous sensation of identity protection and provision for the bulk of my early childhood. And so drawing near to the father, I I mean, my parents both, I felt like they, I could do anything in the world and it was my insides that counted. It didn't matter what I looked like or what I did, I could do anything in the world because of who I was. And so I'm so thankful for that. What I have a real hard, what I had a hard time with is drawing near to Jesus. And when I would hear people pray into Jesus, I would, it was just so foreign to me. And when I would try to draw near or picture Jesus even, it was like a, a TV Jesus or a cartoon Jesus, but there was nothing in my heart about it. And so it, I did a lot of digging with Freedom Prayer, actually. I had a couple people pray with me about this. And one thing that was revealed to me was um, I have two older brothers, so this is on this little line, the companionship piece mainly. But um, 
they're six and eight years older than me and they were great big brothers but they were a lot older than me and so they were doing their high we did high school basketball all my life and I loved it but I was just kind of the oh by the way in my mind again this is my perception and my mother's sitting in here of course for the first time she comes on father latter day <laughs> as I said a culture of honor <laughs> But uh, I, I know my brothers would have beat up anybody in the world for me, and they taught me how to be tough by beating me up. <laughs> but there was a, 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 di a relational distance, whatever the cause, whether it was just because of age or because I was a girl and there were boys or whatever it was, there was a distance. And so it never dawned on me until now as a 40, how old am I, 44, 43, 42? <laughs> as a 40-ish year old, um, that they want to just be with me and abide with me and be my companion. And that's changed. I'm sure that wasn't the case when I was a little twerp tugging on their knees trying to steal their Coca-Cola shirts and such. But, um, but when I realized that, by the end of a prayer session, God showed me I thought I needed Jesus to be saved and then he, needed to go, he could go over here and save the rest of the world. I had it on my own, kind of the pull yourself up by your bootstraps thing. And when I needed something, I go straight to the Father. <laughs> I'm not going to share all the details of this freedom procession, but it was huge to me that by the end of it, I realized that wasn't true. Jesus has enough to give to all of us, and He wanted to. He He stopped the storm that I was in, and walked across and got in my boat, and we hung out, and we just relaxed, and all the waters got still, had a nice little drink in our hands, just enjoying the day, and. And it was so crazy, I didn't even want to say it out loud, but then I, it was a picture he gave me that I could relate with. Oh, we're just hanging out in a boat and enjoying each other's time. And then it came back to, he wants to sit in a car with me and hang out and have a blizzard just to be with me, not to get something from me or for me to perform or to be strong or fast or whatever else I thought my brothers thought was cool and acceptable. So anyway, that's a very less common, a much less common issue, but that was something that I found to be useful. Some common examples of father's lies, in case yours doesn't resonate with what Matt shared. Um, with identity, we want to be like our dads. Whether we have good dads or bad dads, a kid grows up thinking that's what they are. Um, and then, so the absent dad phenomenon in childhood, um, Father God won't be there for me, I'm worthless. That's a common thing that we then believe. Um, if you grow up with an angry dad, which a lot of us may have in the legalistic um, arenas that a lot of us grew up in especially we might believe that father god is always mad at me and i'm not good enough and he'll hurt me if i mess up um and again that performance thing uh protection or security uh the belief of a child is my dad's bigger than your dad dad is stronger than all my foes if you grow up with a fearful dad um who seems you know soft-spined or weak you might believe that god won't do anything about this because it's just too much for him to handle um, if you grow up with an abusive dad, God's not safe. If you grow up with an absent dad, either physically or emotionally, um, which is very common, God's not going to protect me. Um, and then provision, God's the provider. The truth is that God is generous and gives me everything I need. But if you grow up with a broke dad, you might think that God's not going to give me what I need, so I have to fend for myself. If you grow up with a stingy dad, you might think God's not generous. He only gives me just enough to get by. And if you grow up, with, again, with an absent dad, God's not going to be around to take care of my needs, so I've got to do it on my own. So those are some common father lies. Some examples of mother lies include um, comfort. The truth is that we want to run to our moms when we're hurting. We want to run to 
the Holy Spirit when we're hurting. Um, if we had an absent or a busy mom, uh, our belief might be the Holy Spirit isn't going to comfort me. It's too busy. Um, the nurturing we also need from our mothers. We need mom to give us what we need to grow and to thrive. Um, if you have a controlling or angry mom or mother figure in your history, um, you might believe that your needs aren't important and so that you're just forced to comply with whatever else is going on because mom's in control. Um, you might have had an emotional mom and thus think that the Holy Spirit is a wild card, an unpredictable, unsafe phenomenon. That wind isn't seen maybe to you as a soothing, comforting, but a, a crazy tornado. Um, instruction is another uh, job of a mother. We need our moms to tell us the things we need to know. Um, they're supposed to give us the authentic layout of life um, and to answer when we have questions. Um, oftentimes, if you have a servant mom, um, mom does things for me, but I don't have a real relationship with her. Um, so maybe serve, 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 like again, a lot of us in church history, church culture have done, you may not feel like there's really the core getting your emotional needs and answers met. And finally, examples of sibling or friend lies, companionship is, we have five minutes left. <laughs> I'm a little proud, because if anybody's in this class, you know that we're usually, I'm usually walking into the front row a little bit late, I'm at your own time. Um, so companionship, that doesn't surprise my mother either. Um, a, a role of siblings and of close friends is to be a companion. Um, I have a good friend who has my back and wants to be with me, and that's the truth of Jesus. He has your back and he wants to be with you. Um, but if you've had other types of friendships with siblings or other friends, you might think, this is my responsibility. And so um, Jesus just puts demands on me as my friend, or he's just out for himself. So my, my friend part in this role is just to, to be responsible to this person, and it's not an enjoyment, mutual enjoyment and companionship. Communication, um, it's important to know you have someone who understands you, and the truth is Jesus understands us better than any human ever could. Um, but if we've had these kinds of relationships where we felt betrayed, ignored, or degraded, which again, sadly, is common with sibling relationships, any of those, um, we might be led to believe that Jesus is going to betray me, he's going to ignore me to do more important things, um, or better things, or he might condemn me, um, and belittle me, and degrade me, um, like a big sibling may have. Let me say one thing about this. Yeah. We all know in our heads from years of being Christians, that those things aren't true. We've all read scripture, we've all, and so in our heads we can defend how good God is, but that isn't where the lies reside. The lies reside deep in our visceral heart that the basic material out of which we've built our life is tainted with these beliefs and understandings. And we operate out of our heart's emotion. The mind finds reason for the heart's confusion in humans. And so, it's the heart's confusion that this deals with. Not, not I got eight facts about why Jesus is good, but, oh my gosh, I'm connecting with him right here, right now. And my heart is changed, then my head changes. Okay? And Captain, one of the things I was going to say about the, the, Jesus, the Jesus part, um, for me, my heart was telling me that I'm not worthy, that he wouldn't want to hang out with me, I wouldn't have made his top 12, he doesn't, you know, that's, that's the, the lie the heart was telling me, whether it was because of my relationship with my siblings or with friends, 
feeling unworthy as a kid mm -hmm. translated into um, mm -hmm. I'm less than and I, kind of this mentality, I'd be happy just to be the servant mm -hmm. um, anywhere. I wouldn't expect to, to, to be welcomed into the inner circle. Yeah, that's good. Um, so there are two ways to approach this if you want to delve in a little further. The first is starting with the person of the Godhead. If you try to draw near, is there one of these three that's easiest or most difficult to draw near to? Say it's Father God. And then you go to, when I say God the Father, what do you see, sense, or feel? Which is kind of what Matt had done. And if the picture that you see or don't see doesn't match what you know in your head of God to be true, then we start asking, why? What is that picture and what's it about? And why is it not what I know in my head is true? Um, and you can do this similarly with Jesus or the Holy Spirit. The other approach in going through Father Ladder would be to start with, oh, sorry, the unmet needs. So if you look here in the middle, some of us know right off the bat, like, this is a driving, a driving thing for me is security. That's why I'm an Enneagram six or whatever. Um, I like that security, and that probably does stem back to Father stuff. Um, so if you know a need in here that's a, a drive for you that's not met, the way you might start that prayer is, God, what do you, or asking a person, what do you want to talk about? And sometimes it's immediate. They know, like, this is my, my thing. It's, it's been repeating for 40 years. Um, if it seems like there's an unmet basic need, then we want to first resolve the relationship issue as best possible. And obviously, we're not going to restore all humanly relationships to perfection because it just can't happen, sadly. But getting to a good, healthy resolution is very possible with some of the forgiveness stuff that we've talked about in here before. Um, and then secondly, connect you to that person of the Godhead that you were disconnected from for so long. Um, so God always needs, get, we always get our needs met. Once the relationship with the Trinity is restored, then the Godhead can start filling in those voids and meet real needs that have been distorted or unmet for years for a lot of us. Um, even if our earthly family relationships aren't ever restored, the individual has a new framework with the Godhead to learn from and be filled from. Um, and the heart now has the capacity to become whole. So my father died about three years ago, and I did have, thankfully I have an overriding huge love sense, but we had lots of lots of stuff with addiction and all kinds of stuff. Um, my mother is a saint, <laughs> but, but he died. And so some of this couldn't be resolved, but thank the Lord, a lot of it was before he died. Um, but there are still ways in your heart to be restored. So if anyone has the need or feels the need or would like to explore further praying with someone besides just by yourself, this is a little um, poorly formatted because I use a Mac um, blurb about what freedom prayer is. I call it prayer partners because some people say see freedom prayer and don't know, aren't familiar with it, but it's basically this is two slides to kind of tell you what we do in freedom prayer. So if anybody wants to be prayed with with someone else, then it's an anonymous, voluntary thing. Jeannie can just set up a time. It's as simple as that, and it's like it can be life changing. So basically, when you're going to pray with a partner, you first start out by leveling the playing field between the prayer recipient and the guides. And again, usually there's at least two other people. Um, one person's going to kind of lead the prayer session. The other person will silently intercede the whole time on your behalf um, for God to show Himself to you in whatever way you most need. There's no pressure. Um, there's always a reminder, this could be any of us, there's nothing too big or too small, there's nothing, frankly, that hasn't been heard and dealt with, probably. It's confidential, and it's just creating a space to encounter God. Our lives get so busy that sometimes we need that structured space to say, come on in, Lord. 
Um, he's always there, but and we ask a lot of questions and do a whole lot of listening. Sometimes I get stuck, and so someone guiding me will say, do you want to repeat after me? And they'll help me in the next <coughs> progression of the prayer session, and that's a beautiful thing, too, because things like... <coughs> God, would it be okay if you showed me why I'm having a hard time or words that I don't know before this? And so it's a helpful way. You don't have to know anything about this to dive in, is what I'm saying. Um, Oh, this is bad formatting. And then at the beginning of prayer, we set the atmosphere. We always invite the Lord. We worship. We do this in thanksgiving and truth. It's safe. And we always give God first dibs and just say, God, what do you want to speak to today? Um, search your heart. Where do you, search my heart. Where do you want to start? And then we wait and listen and check in and check that connection repeatedly. So it's a pretty simple yet deep way if anybody would like to pray with a partner for any of this. So any thoughts or questions or comments about connecting or father ladder? I cannot begin to say that I have it together in this realm, but I can say for both of us that it's totally changed our lives in the last two years. And we've done a lot of counseling and books and all kinds of other self-help things, but this is really a beautiful, intentional way to invite God. Yeah. I'm sorry to keep speaking up. But one oh, of Scott, things, we like to hear you of, speak. One of the things that for me, I mean, I'm just thinking about all of us who are here, sometimes it feels like we can be drowning in all of the stimuli that comes from this life, whether it's the pressures that we put on ourselves or the, the attack of the enemy, or just living in a culture that is, is hopefully turning from the path that God would want us to be on, and is, is, is really uh, the, the roles that we have as parents, as employees, as siblings, as children. Um, we are on overload all the time, and what this allows us to do is to really stop. For some of us who, who, who haven't practiced it all the time growing up, it provides a space where we get to carve out and say, this is sanctified to you. Um, and it allows God that little narrow opening that he needs to just step through and overwhelm our senses with what he really made us to feel and made us to, to, to how he made us to experience life. And once you have that, um, it's like the it's like the battle. What do you call it? The beachfront, or whatever you call it. We you, you've got. Well, he now has a foothold to say, "Hey, what I've been seeing, experiencing, should be so much more." Um, and then you start to hopefully develop a community who knows how to to pray and lift one another up. Uh, and you get to hear that still quiet voice, um, and then it becomes much more an active and living part of your life. Thank you. That was great. Thank you. Um, It's laid out in great detail here. Again, not talking 